Welcome to On the Ground with Samaritan's Purse. I'm your host, Christy Graham, and today I'm thrilled to introduce you to Joni Biker, our country director on the ground in Liberia. You just heard Joni teaching and worshiping with families there, and I think it's important that we dive deeper into the story of how God has been working in the country. Liberia has had many challenges over the last 30 years, including a civil war and the world's deadliest Ebola outbreak. Liberians have been through unimaginable hardship, but Samaritan's Purse is continuing to minister to hurting people there and spreading the gospel. When we started working there in 2003, the nation's second civil war had just ended. Some of the work involved rehabilitating child soldiers, and since then, our work has grown and changed tremendously. Joni has a big task, directing our work across the country of Liberia. She has been with Samaritan's Purse for over 10 years and has been the country director for one year now. I know you are going to love hearing her heart for sharing Jesus' love to the ends of the earth. Before we dive into some of her stories from the field, I want you to know how God led Joni, an Iowa farm girl, all the way to West Africa. Um, Can you just tell me a little bit about yourself and how you came to work with Samaritan's Purse? (laughs) Yeah, um, I grew up on a farm in Iowa, so I'm a farm girl at heart. And from a very young age, Like I would spend hours wandering through the grove of our farm, pretending I was a missionary in Africa, looking for people to tell about Jesus to. And so from a very young age, the Lord put Africa on my heart. Hmm. Um, And I had a, a, a relative that was a missionary in West Africa. And every time he would come home, I wanted to be the in the front row, hear all the stories, see all the pictures, um, and just soak it all up. And the older I got, uh, the more I realized and saw more presentations from missionaries around the world and said, you know, they're very talented people and they have a lot to do, but they don't necessarily know how to tell the story well. Hmm. Every presentation started to look the same. Here's my house. Here's the landscape. Here's the person I work with. Um, but I knew there was more. And so I really had a passion to be able to tell the story of what God was doing on the mission field. And so I went to school for uh, photography and photojournalism, Mm. and that's where I started. And I was in West Africa with another mission organization when I encountered Samaritan's Purse and the team members there. And really loved the mission statement of Samaritan's Purse and the work that they were doing. And shortly after that, um, I had been in Liberia And Liberia just captured my heart from the very beginning. It was shortly after the civil crisis. And I just wanted to be a part of the rebuilding aspect, whether that was physically, spiritually, emotionally. And so I was looking to return to Liberia full-time when Franklin Graham committed to rebuilding the African Bible College. And they needed someone to host teams and visitors for six months as construction teams came to rebuild the school. And that was 11 years ago, and I haven't left. I just love Joni's testimony and the way that God put that passion in her heart as a young child. And she practiced and prayed and longed to do that, and now she's living out her dream. And as you can tell, God called Joni to Liberia in a time of great need. 
In 2014, when Ebola hit Liberia, it changed the country drastically. As many of you may know, one of our own doctors, Kent Brantley, was infected with Ebola. Joni was there when it hit, and she continues to see the long-term effects of the tragedy each day. I talked to her about how the outbreak impacted the country as a whole, but also to her personally. How did the Ebola outbreak change your team's focus in 2014? Ebola was um, something that really came out of nowhere. Um, Ebola had not been in Liberia before. Uh, There was a lot of constant mysterious deaths happening in nearby Guinea, and nobody could figure out what it was. And when that hit Liberia and it spread like wildfire, it hit an urban area for the very first time in history. No one knew how to respond. Um, Not only, you know, players, you know, at that point, MSF, Doctors Without Borders, was the only organization that could and knew how to respond to Ebola in the world. And they were stretched thin. Mm -hmm. And so they were coming to us saying, please help. And at that point, I mean, it was a huge decision at that point for Samaritan's Purse to decide, are we going to engage in this? And from our side of things, we couldn't say no. Mm-hmm. This is our family. You know, we've been working um, with these people for, at that point, you know, 11 years. How can we turn our backs now? That, I mean, we're the good Samaritan, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we stepped in and, and helped fight that battle in West Africa and, um it was incredibly challenging, but it it devastated the whole country. Um, it, it impacted absolutely every single person um, somehow in some way, not to mention um, the trauma. The trauma is huge. Um, and it was for us. Mm. You know, something that I never fully understood before Ebola was when you would talk to our staff, they would reference their life as normal day, as in before the war Mm. and after. And that was their critical point. That was their critical incident. And now Mm. we reference our lives as before Ebola and post Ebola. Like Mm -hmm. that was our critical point in our lives. And so even for ourselves going through that outbreak, it it was very traumatic. I mean, it's not uncommon for most everyone in America to know, you know, about Kent Brantley and Nancy Wrightball. I mean, these were our dear friends Mm -hmm. and coworkers and colleagues. And to, you know, watch them get sick and to wonder how in the world did that happen? And if they got sick, who's next? And then that fear of, could it be me, you know? And, and, but at the same time, still needing Mm -hmm. to show up each day Mm -hmm. and try and stop this outbreak. Like it was incredibly difficult. So that trauma was, um, key for us, but I think it helped us understand what the Liberians were going through. Mm -hmm. And so one of our programs that I just absolutely love, um, we call it Restore, and it's a trauma healing Mm -hmm. program, and it contextualizes the grief cycle in a way that helps them to understand, um, because what we have learned over the years is that Liberians don't necessarily grieve well. They don't Mm -hmm. know how to grieve, and so they're carrying around all of this emotional weight, um, never fully understanding the power of Christ and that you can lay it at his feet and how he can give you hope for a new beginning. And so this program, um, we just continued to build on it and scale it larger and larger. And what we're finding is that we initially started this program because we thought the trauma from Ebola was the critical incident. And what we're finding is that there's so many layers underneath 
from the civil crisis of mm. trauma that was never dealt with. And so it's just been a, a really amazing um, program to be a part of. Um, so it, yeah, it changed our office completely. Hmm. And we focused solely on Ebola survivors for four years. And then this year is the first year that we've opened it back up to the most vulnerable in the communities that we're working in. Because there still is, we're still riding the wake of the civil crisis. Mm -hmm. um, and so now you kind of have a double wake in mm -hmm. a way, you know, the civil crisis and Ebola, and we want to be able to come alongside of, of both of those. During the Ebola break, outbreak, I just have to ask, you know, we can watch Facing the Darkness and kind of get a glimpse, but how did your team show up every day? You know, living in fear, watching your friends get sick. How, how did you keep going? <laughs> we barely did, mm -hmm. honestly. Um, it was, a, I mean, a spiritual battle. Mm -hmm. That's what it came down to. And you were bombarded with... I mean, I have never felt so much fear in my entire life. Mm -hmm. um, paralyzing fear. And that was the frustrating part. You mm -hmm. know, looking back at it, you just get so frustrated at yourself that you let it paralyze you mm -hmm. in certain times. But honestly, um, I'll never forget most days, all we could say to each other is look at each other and just remind each other, Jesus is Lord. Hmm. He is still on that throne no matter what is happening around us. And right now, absolutely everything is falling apart and it's getting closer and closer and closer to us. And we don't know what's going to happen today. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know if we're going to be able to get out of this country. Mm -hmm. We don't know who's going to get sick. We don't know if Kent and Nancy are going to make it. <sighs> He's still on the throne. I don't know about you, but I can remember when Kent Brantley was sick and watching that on the news and just before I even knew Joni. And so now hearing from someone that knew him personally, and it wasn't just a story, um, has really resonated with me and knowing that it changed the trajectory of that country. And so people are still coping with the loss of loved ones and dealing with the fear of the virus that the virus created. Joni and her team are continuing to work with survivors, and they are passionate about bringing the country to healing and showing them how the gospel can truly bring hope and joy back into their lives. Could you imagine how they experienced Ebola sweeping through their country and the fear they all felt and, and the holes that it's created in their lives? Psalm 34 verse 4 says, I sought the Lord and He answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. That passage goes on to say, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. To this day, Joni still sees the Lord being close to the brokenhearted. One of the many ways the ministry has changed to meet the needs of the people in Liberia is helping teach professional skills. Many women lost their husbands to Ebola. Not only did they lose their spouse, but they lost their family's livelihood. Now let's hear from Thinda, an Ebola widow whose Samaritan's Purse has helped through a livelihood program. First, before they started this training, they told us to trust in the Lord. They taught us that whatever you do, you have to put God first. This is always ringing in my mind. As I started learning how to raise sheep and goats, I knew it was a blessing from God. I knew it would help my family grow. The first and most important thing that I learned in the training was that you can't do anything by yourself. You have to have God. Now I'm seeing the result of trusting God. Can she tell me a little bit about why it was important for her to be a part of this program? What, what challenges or hardships was she facing with her family that made this so important for he, her to be a part of? 
Before I joined this particular project, I had a husband, but I lost my husband. Now I have many hardships as a single woman with children. I have many, many problems. The training I received is helping me earn a living. I am thankful to God. Even though I lost my husband, I can provide for my family. This program made a big difference in my life. At the beginning, I didn't have any hope because my husband died. Now I am thankful to God. There's a big difference in me from the beginning of the program to now because I found my savior. Before she joined this particular project, she, she had a husband, but now she lost a husband before. So she encountered many problems. You know, a single woman with children, with her husband, she had many, many problems. But the, the training she received and this particular benefit she received is like the, the help the husband would have done for her, now she can get it from here. So she's thankful to God. Even though she lost her husband, mm. so there's a big difference in her life today. Because at, at the beginning, she didn't have any hope when she lost her husband. Mm. And now she's thankful to God. There's a big difference from the beginning to where she found herself now. I'm sorry for the loss of your husband. Mm. You are very strong. I'm glad we were able to help small and I pray it continues for many years that it will be a big help to you and your family. Sometimes it's hard to remember the long-lasting impact that a tragedy like Ebola has on not just a country, but people, families, and communities. I loved hearing how Finda used a new livelihood skill, raising sheep and goats, and how it changed her life. It gave her hope, and through it, she found a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. This livelihood project is just one of the many projects that take place in Liberia. That's one of my favorite aspects of Samaritan's Purse, is that they are truly meeting the people in the ditches of life, and not just meeting their physical needs, but their spiritual needs, and the only hope that can be found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can you share, um, how does your work seek to meet the physical needs while sharing the gospel? Yeah. Yeah, I mean... <clears throat> For us and, you know, as Samaritan's Purse, as an organization, first and foremost, we're seeking to meet those spiritual needs. And so every single project that we do is seeking to share the gospel, um, first and foremost. And, and the physical side of things is important, but that spiritual side comes first. Um, you know, if if someone is completely... Um, at the bottom, they've lost several family members. They've lost their husband. They've got eight kids at home, not knowing how they're going to provide for them. You can come and sit next to them and tell them that Jesus loves them. But mm -hmm. if you're not doing something to help them move forward for that next day, they're not really gonna sit and listen to you because they're, they're so wrapped up on how do mm -hmm. I feed my children this mm -hmm. next meal. So... I mean, everything that we do, it's coupled together. There's not a single thing that we do that it's not. Um, so some of the things that we're doing is we saw that um, no one had um, confidence in their leadership, in their communities during the outbreak. They didn't know who to listen to. They didn't know who to trust. So one thing that we're doing now is leadership training with community leaders so that, you know, if there is going to be some another crisis that hits their community, they're going to know how to respond. And it's amazing to hear 
that testimony of communities saying at the beginning of the project, 10% of them have confidence in their leader to 98% of them do. Um, so in every mm-hmm. aspect um, that we're working in, it just goes hand in hand. A, a number of years ago, we asked ourselves this question, so what? If you tell me at the end of the year that our team who works incredibly hard built 25 hand dug wells and they dug them 40 feet down deep and, you know, 35 villages have clean water, I'd say, great. So what? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't have eternal impact, so what? Mm -hmm. And so we take that very seriously. That's our passion in Liberia is to just continue to increase that kingdom because um, it's a spiritual battle Mm -hmm. every single day. It's just in your face. And the devil's trying to come in and encroach and confuse and distort. So we're working as hard as we can against that. I'm so thankful that God is changing hearts in Liberia, not just the people that we help, but those working on the ground. One thing that surprised me talking to Joni was hearing how difficult it is to travel through the country of Liberia. The road systems are poor and traveling from one end of the country to the other can take days on on a good day. Sometimes the journey is impossible because of washed out roads during the rainy season. Thankfully, Samaritan's Purse built an airstrip and we are able to move staff and supplies by air so that the program can continue to connect families to the gospel. I'm standing in one of my favorite places in Liberia and that's the airstrip in Foya, the northwest part of the country, um, right alongside the border of Sierra Leone and Guinea um, where our largest base is. And we've been operating in this area for, oh, 13 years now, 14 years now. Um, We were able to build this airstrip, which helps support our projects as we have a caravan and a helicopter, which greatly um, helps reduce the load in our vehicles and our bodies as well, making the trips back and forth um, by road. If the road is decent, it would be an eight-hour trip, which is still a a rough trip on on very difficult terrain. Um, And in the rainy season, like we are in right now, that can be easily doubled. Um, You're spending a lot of time digging yourself out of the mud or waiting for people in front of you to dig themselves out of the mud or to help them out uh, as well. And so as I look around, I'm surrounded by palm trees, um, some mountains in the distance, You can hear the birds singing behind me. Um, Every shade of green you can imagine and then this beautiful uh, dirt airstrip. And it's just a beautiful area and a very peaceful place to come. And then we have what we call the FOIA International Airstrip, which is literally a little gazebo behind me. Um, And we have two doors and we call that Terminal A and B. (laughs) And so today we're going to be returning back to Monrovia and... um, As I talk, our caravan is coming in for its landing right now with its landing lights flashing back and forth. And you can hear it and it's bringing more staff, more supplies so that we can continue to do the work that we're doing here. And that's it for me from FOIA. Uh, Thank you for coming along on this journey. Um, I hope it gives you a better taste of what is going on here and how God is moving through the work of Samaritan's Purse Liberia. Don't you just love hearing all about the different ways God is providing for those in need? I love Joni's heart and her spirit for the Lord is so contagious. Please continue to pray for the team and the projects in Liberia. 
and even pray over them. Galatians 6, 9, and 10. Let us not become weary in doing good. For all the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Thank you for joining us today. And I hope that you got to see a glimpse of Liberia and hear the hearts and the passion of those that are serving for Samaritan's Purse. Make sure you hit subscribe to On the Ground with Samaritan's Purse to hear more stories from the front lines and let us know your thoughts in the comments. You can also check out samaritanspurse.org slash on the ground to see more behind the scenes photos from today's episode and read more about our work in Liberia. Thanks so much for joining me today, friends, and have a blessed week.